I'm going to speak tonight <coughs> about a topic which is on everybody's mind. It's astounding in many ways how one topic can completely consume the entire planet. But that's what's happening. Of course, I'm talking about the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the question is, how do we understand what's going on? Is it possible to understand why the Rebbeinu is doing this? Remember, we're not talking here about just a, some type of a epidemic, you know, that affects one country or two countries or whatever. We're talking here about something that's a pandemic. A pandemic is a global phenomenon, which is absolutely astounding. So it behooves us in many ways to really try to understand what is the Russian doing and why? And that's what the topic is of tonight. And I'm going to try to explain in terms of what I see, uh, what the meaning of all this really is. And not only that, but how one can protect himself and his family from becoming infected by this, of course, coronavirus. So therefore, uh, this obviously is a very important shear. And what I'm going to try to do is give clarity to the whole situation, basically, uh, so at least you can be informed as to what is happening, why is it happening, and what actions can you take it's in, in, in many ways to uh, protect yourself, like I said, and your family. The question is, how do we understand what is going on? There's no Navur today, there's no prophecy today. And the truth is, only prophecy can reveal a, a total uh, cl a clarity and what's called a certainty of what all this means. Um, but the Chazal do tell us that a Chacham is Odaf Minovi that a wise person is greater or better in a certain sense than a prophet. And of course there are reasons for that. A prophet can only know basically that which was revealed to him, you see. Whereas a chokham can know not only perhaps that which is revealed to the prophet, but by implications and deductions, he can actually have a greater grasp of what is going on because he can far expand the meaning of what is revealed to a prophet, he can expand on that through his chokhmah. And therefore, not that I'm a chokhm, but I would like to use chokhmah to see if we can reach a clarity in terms of what all this really means. <clears throat> now, in order to understand something, we always have to look for a chazal, somebody. And in that chazal, perhaps he alludes to what all this really means and what, in, in, in a certain sense, uh, how we can interact with that and what lessons we can draw from it. There is such a chazal uh, which is in the Medrash of Shir Hashirim, in Perik Beis, Pashtak Gimel. And there is such a chazal which when you look at it face value is, is, uh, is really astounding. And it's also puzzling. Let me read the chazal to you. It says here, Omar Rabbi Chiyubar Abo, that Rabbi Chiyubar Abo says, Somach Yemois HaMashiach, shortly before the days of the Messiah, Dever Godel Boli Oilam, a great plague will come to the world. That's a remarkable statement. 
and the wicked and the wicked will perish in that plague you see that's what it says now that's a remarkable chazal why because Rabbi Abba is saying that this devil this plague okay will come to the world and it says devil godl which is a great plague and we know what a great plague is it's a pandemic that's what it is it's not a devil cotton it's a devil godl it's a great plague which of course means a pandemic and will come to the world and the wicked the evil people the Rishoyim okay they will die in this plague that's what he says now what is puzzling about all this of course is the fact that he says that this will happen before Samach which is shortly before or close to the Mashiach himself now Samach means really very close to the messianic era so the, our question is why is it merely to punish the Rishoyim so that they will perish in this plague or is Rabkhiba Abba saying something much more profound but in any case we see that there is now a devil the coronavirus epid uh, pandemic and therefore can we actually hope for the fact that this may actually be a uh, a uh, that, that which will fork, uh, for, uh, foreclose or rather that which will happen before the Mashiach comes are we that close and I believe the answer is yes what we have to understand is what does this have to do really to the Moshe Mashiach in any case we see a very interesting Chazal that they actually allude to this devil a pandemic actually before the Mashiach comes and I believe that this Chazal Rabkhiba Abba's statement is an allusion to the meaning of the coronavirus pandemic. And that's what I really want to go into in this year. <clears throat> so the first thing that we have to do, now I want, I want to mention one thing which is very important. Everybody out there is anxious, tremendously anxious, because they don't know what it will be it will affect them and their family will it affect nations what's going to happen and everybody in many ways is frightened and there are many people uh, that uh, they don't know what to do with themselves and the truth is that it is frightening but uh, there's something that we have to remember this is not an accident and it is unfortunate if somebody thinks so when the entire planet is affected this is not an accident. In fact, even if one person gets sick, by any means, that is not an accident. God controls everything. This is what we certainly as Jews understand and we certainly believe. This, we are looking at the hand of God. Now, one thing about the Rabbanu Shalom, which is very important to understand, the Rabbanu Shalom loves mankind especially the Jewish people. Whatever God does, we believe, as the Chazal tell us in Blochus, anything that God does is the tav of it. It is for the good. And not only that, but it's, it's done out of a sense of benefit to mankind, especially to the Jewish people. In fact, it's done out of love, even though we perceive it that it's terrible. 
It is a calamity and a catastrophe. So therefore, what I want to try to assure everybody is that this devil, no matter how frightening it is, in many ways is really an act of God that's required. And believe me, if it wasn't required, God would never have done that. And it is to benefit mankind. Very important idea. And therefore, we, we have to have imuna. We have to have belief that this is an act of God. This is the hand of God for the entire world. And we have to have bitochem. That whatever he does is for the good. It's a very important idea to understand. Especially with something which has such far-reaching repercussions. So, the question, of course, is, how do we understand all of this? Well, the way to do that is to understand what's called the pandemic characteristics. We have to look at the characteristics of this pandemic. What is it, really? And then from that, we can try to work backwards. Once we understand its characteristics, we can ask ourselves, what does it seem to be solving because God doesn't bring anything unless it provides a solution for something. So that is the question. Let's take a look at the characteristics of this particular coronavirus pandemic. <clears throat> First of all, in previous pandemics, two of the most famous is in 1348, the, the bubonic plague, or black plague, okay? <clears throat> it killed one half of Europe millions and millions of people died you know and so on you know that is a terrible plague because the central feature of that plague is death the second famous plague that we're referring to is what's called the spanish flu of 1918 it, it is estimated that 500 excuse me 50 million people died in that plague Th those numbers are staggering you see so clearly, the central feature or the objective of those two plagues was the death of millions and millions of people. Besides, obviously, there were many people obviously that didn't die, but they were terribly sick. So clearly, those are unusual plagues that is meant to wipe out a great deal of mankind. But when we take a look at this plague, the coronavirus plague, there's something different here. Let's take a look at some of the very outstanding characteristics of this plague. First of all, okay, there is death. But think about that. I think I just heard that the amount of people infected in the United States, and remember the United States has 330 million people, is approximately 16,000 people in the United States that are infected with the coronavirus. And of those 16,000 people, several hundred of those people have uh, the uh, uh, you know uh, have died well when you think about that remember there's 350 million people in the United States so the death rate doesn't seem to be more than maybe 2% maximum 3% which means that the objective of this plague is not death that's a very important idea if God wanted it to be death, it would be much more devastating, like the bubonic plague and the uh, Spanish flu. So we're not looking here at a plague that's meant to wipe out tens and tens of millions of people. That's a very important idea. But what it does do, obviously, it does provide death 
to, to many people, unfortunately and tragically and so on. But it's not like the previous plagues, you see. The second thing it's meant to provide is a tremendous amount of suffering or sickness, you see. Because obviously when a person gets the plague, the coronavirus, right, and he does get sick, you see, he will be sick. And that is not anything, of course, uh, we cannot take that lightly. Uh, but again, if 16,000 people have become sick in two months, from the middle of January, February, and then March, right? Out of 350 million people, again, that is not really a significant feature in the sense that what was with the, the previous plagues. These important ideas. Yet we do know that the plague is uh, tremendously anxiety-provoking. In fact, when we think about that, the third feature of this plague, besides the fact that it's a certain amount of death, minimally, there's a certain amount of suffering, but there's something which is universal. It's called global. What is that? That's pachad moves, the fear of death. That's a very important idea, you see. In other words, pachad moves, the fear of death, is really what's happening in this plague. And that's global. Everybody's frightened in terms of what can be the consequences of this plague. So that already is different. So what I'm trying to say is that clearly a major objective is pachad mavis, the fear of death. And as I, I will show you, what is the meaning of that? And that is really one of the main ideas or characteristics of the coronavirus epidemic. The second major feature which we now begin to see is really universal, is the concept of a quarantine. <clears throat> we know what a quarantine is. Well, all of a sudden, you have to isolate yourself in your house, you know, for what? For two weeks, 14 days. And that is very painful to many people, because not only the boredom, but the question, of course, is, is that they cannot interact with anybody. Quarantine is a second major feature, and the tremendous discomfort and, and, and suffering that a quarantine brings. But that's global. The third major feature is the economic collapse of countries. And that, of course, is major, where countries are now losing hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, of course, of uh, money and, 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 and survival and parnosa, livelihood. And that, of course, is a major idea. So that's a third major feature of this coronavirus epidemic. What we see also is this is not restricted to one country. It's a global pandemic, you see. If we really think about that, what do we see, which is a very important idea, that God has frozen, he has paralyzed, he has stopped civilization. That's really what we're witnessing. It's like God said to the civilization, stop, totally. And everybody has to stay in their house, you see, and be frightened, right? Forget about livelihood. God, in effect, has put a halt to civilization. And that's a very important idea. Why? You see, but that, that is a central feature of this. What, what is interesting to note is the concept that, imagine, what it takes to hold civilization. A virus is about, if I remember correctly, it's about 40 nanometers. A nanometer is a billionth of a meter. 
And this little virus, you cannot see it with the naked eye or even a microscope. You need an electron microscope to see this. Could you imagine that God can call forth a creature, 40 nanometers, right? And that can hold civilization. We begin to understand the, all, the, the absolute power of God to stop civilization, mankind, in its tracks. It's just absolutely awesome. But anyway, those seem to be the three major features. Pachad Mavis, the fear of death, quarantine, and the economic collapse of countries. Like I say, you know, even though that there is the feature of death and also sickness and suffering, that seems, however, not to be what is usually common in an epidemic, especially the, the greatest epidemics which I have mentioned. So the question is, what exactly does this mean? We've identified the major features of this pandemic, you see, but why, you see? And that's what I want to begin to explain. <clears throat> What God is trying to do, based on the divine agenda, when you think about it in a certain way, is to bring the redemption. And we will now understand something very important, that this dever, this plague, its basic purpose is to bring the geula, but this is a necessary forerunner or prerequisite. What brings the geula? What brings the redemption? Well, we know what the concept is, you see, there's a tikkun process. There is a process of rectifying creation. And we know that the Jews are the major characters or actors that do this. You see, that's what they do. This is a tikkun process. It's a process of restoration or to rectify, which really means to bring God back into creation. God concealed himself and said to mankind, and then subsequently he said to Avram Avinu, Abraham, and the Jewish people, it is your job to bring me back. And not only that, but we also know that the major vehicles or instruments that we do this is through mitzvahs, doing commandments, okay. And not only that, but if we sin, there's tshuva, there's repentance, and if we don't do repentance, then of course, for, for the sins and the transgressions, then there's what's called Yisurin. There's what's called suffering. And those three things are called the Tikkun devices, you see. Mitzvahs, Tshuva, and Yisurin. Those are the Tikkun devices, you see. And that's what brings, in many ways, the redemption, you see. However, <clears throat> even all with that, there's still, so therefore we could say that this is what does the redemption or the, the goal itself, right? And brings the Mashiach. These are called the Tikkun devices, you see. But the, it, the, the Tikkun itself, in it of itself, proceeds slowly. And in, in, in certain ways, we are at the end of the process, which I had mentioned in many of my other shurim and so on, that the, the, the Tikkun process is coming to an end. But what's the problem then? <clears throat> the problem is that there are certain major obstacles. What are the obstacles for the redemption? And the answer to that is the prosecution of the Sultan, the Kitrugan of the Sultan. Now the Sultan, of course, is an adversary. In fact, he is the prosecuting angel. And his job, in many ways, is to uphold or to defend justice. That's really what his job is.
And therefore, he's always being makatre, kitrug. What is that? It's called prosecution, you see? And those kitrugim, which actually tries to, uh, uh, to defend justice or promote justice, is an obstacle. Because God will only bring the redemption after the justice has been satisfied, which is a very important idea. Justice has to be fulfilled, and then the redemption can come. The problem is, the Sultan is prosecuting this, and therefore what does he do? He slows it down. Why? Because God, because he created the world through justice, din, he has to accommodate the din. And as a result of that, he's got to slowly, incrementally bring the redemption, but he has to address the kitrig of the Sultan. That's a very important idea. Which brings us to an, another idea. What are the obstacles today? You know, besides the tikkun process, which is what completes the redemption process, <clears throat> what are the main ideas, which are obstacles, that the Sutton is being makatrig? That the Sutton is doing what? He is prosecuting right? And he's saying, you can't bring, he's saying to God, you can't bring the redemption because there are certain, there are certain uh, violations or sins or transgressions that the Jews are doing and certainly mankind is doing. So because everybody benefits from the redemption, Jewish people of course, and all of mankind benefits from the redemption. And the Sultan is saying, you can't do it. So then the question is, what does that mean? What are the obstacles today? <clears throat> what is the main complaints or the major arguments that the Satan is, uh, is propounding to God? And I believe that there are basically three of them, although there are many others, but the, the chief ones, I believe there are really three. Let's take a look what they are. One, Zimo, preachers. We live in a generation, as we will see, uh, we, we, well, let me just sum it up and then we'll go into each one more in detail. The first one is called Zimo, preachers, okay? Tremendous amount of immorality, depravity, degeneration, corruption, you see? There's an enormous amount, certainly in the last 20, 30 years, the world is involved in an obsession with immorality. Just take a look at the countries of the world, you know, how many people are involved in all kinds of terrible immorality. So that's one. The second thing, so that is where mankind is corrupting his own nature, as we will see. The second major obstacle and prosecution of the Sultan uh, is the destruction of civilization by mankind. How? And that's the concept of sinas chinam, baseless hatred. In the last 10, 20 years, there's an incredible amount of hatred that is present in the world. And this hatred, of course, is fostered by Lashon Hara, by, by, by slander, defamation, you see, informing. There's a tremendous amount of hatred 
whether it be in the, as we will see in the United States or Israel and so on and around the entire world. Uh, so therefore, and there's no unity here, there's no achdos. So therefore, that is a second thing that the Sultan says. Mankind is destroying itself, you see, because of the unbelievable amount of hatred and enmity that people have toward each other, which of course, most of it is brought about by Lashon Hara, especially as we know, through the internet and social services and so on, social media and so on. So that's a second major obstacle. The third major obstacle is that everybody is completely immersed in what? In materialism, in pleasure, physicality, gashmius. Everybody's into this. <clears throat> How many people are really involved in spirituality, what's called ruchnius? Very few. The world is completely immersed obsessed with materialism and enjoying the world what's left for spirituality so I believe these are the three major complaints so to speak of the Sultan again immorality is one tremendous hatred two and the third thing of course is tremendous pursuit of materialism physicality with no idea of spirituality those are the three things, basically, that's wrong. Of course, there are many other things, no question. But I believe that the, the, the uh, halting of civilization, as we will see, or the major of the redemption process, is basically these three ideas, because they are the chief violations of mankind. Let's take a look at each of these things in a little more detail. What the Rabbanishma has done, therefore, as we will see, is he needs to stop this. Why? Because he needs to stop the Kitrugim of the Sultan. He needs, in order to bring about the redemption, he needs to stop this major arguments and prosecution of the Sultan, especially of these three areas. You see? Because you cannot bring a redemption when mankind, and, and unfortunately many Jewish people, are involved with this. So what the Rebbe has done is an unbelievable thing. He has designed a drug that in many ways can alleviate tremendously the argument of the Sutton. And that's where we begin to understand what the coronavirus pandemic really is. It's called a designer drug that only God can do. And that's what he's done designed a way in, 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 to mitigate these terrible arguments by the Sultan in order to advance the redemption or the messianic process. Let's take a look. So what we begin to realize is that this drug is the coronavirus pandemic. Correct. And it is designed to alleviate the prosecution of the Sultan, so God can now advance the messianic process much quicker. And what he's advanced, what God has done, God has done, is he's brought a pandemic called the coronavirus. We have to understand what that means and how it works, you see. But like we, we, what I begin to realize is a very important idea that this pandemic, or called a dever, a plague, right? is in many ways for the purposes of what? Of speeding up the messianic process, which of course most people don't realize and hardly anybody understands. But let's see how it works. 
I had mentioned what? That the, the, the whole concept of uh, the characteristics of this, uh, this uh, pandemic is what? Is death, suffering, because you're sick. But that doesn't seem to be its chief objective. Because in many ways it's minuscule compared to the previous epidemics that was, that was global in nature. But what is much worse is what's called the pachad mavas, the fear of death, which in many ways is a very important idea. What does that mean, the fear of death? <clears throat> Unfortunately, a great deal of the world has committed terrible sins. And a great part of the world, in many ways, because we're not just looking at people who live today. There are many people that are Gilgulim. There are many people that have, are being reincarnated many, many times, you see. And history is replete with the evil of mankind. Most of mankind, the history of mankind, when you think about it, is really a history of the wars of mankind. Man's inhumanity to man. We don't even begin to fathom and understand what the Romans did, or the Greeks, or the Assyrians, or the Babylonians, the cruelty of these people, and so on. Or even the Middle Ages. We don't even begin to understand this. And I include also, unfortunately, even Christianity. We don't even begin to understand what Christianity has done for those Christians who are terrible and evil. You know, what they have done over the 2,000 years that they have existed. So the problem is, is that God has to mitigate the prosecutions of these people. And many of these people, when you think about that, what's called Chayav Misa. What they have done deserves death for whatever reason. We be either because it's terribly severe or it's been repeated so many times. So God has to alleviate the judgment of death in many people. So he's not going to do that with literal death, you see. Not with this, but what he will do is substitute death for something else where mankind can survive and still satisfy the judgment of a death sentence. How does he do that? Because the Talmud tells us, okay, that there are death equivalencies. That there are four things that if somebody is obligated through justice to die, there are four things that he can have that will satisfy the, uh, the, uh, the judgment of death. The first idea is called an iver, if he is blind. A person who is blind is considered as a dead person, obviously because he cannot interact with life. The second one is a matsura, somebody who has a skin disorder called tsaras. He has to sit, sit outside of the camp or civilization and so on. And that is also considered a judicial equivalent to death. A woman who has no children is a third, because without kids, then obviously there, there is no continuity of the generations. And the last one is called an oni, poverty. Extreme poverty is a death sentence, because if you have no money, obviously, there's very little you can do. Those are four death equivalencies that God could bring, instead of killing somebody, what he would do is administer one of these four, and that is equivalent to a death sentence. But there's one more, and what is that? That's called pachad mavas, the fear of death. If you think about that, the atonement or the kapora that a person achieves, basically, is not the death itself, because when he's dead, he's dead. 
but it is the fear or the knowledge that he is dying. That is the great fear. And also, the, not only that he's dying, but the way he's dying. This anxiety or fear, right, that is the chief kapora or atonement aspect of death. Therefore, what God does is he brings what's called a pachad mavas. Because that is a death, is a judgment of death equivalent, you see. And that is what God is doing, <clears throat> you see. So, the, as I mentioned before, one of the major characteristics of the coronavirus uh, uh, pandemic is the fear of death, which everybody has. Everybody's panicking. They don't know what to do with themselves. They are frightened and so on. Uh, and that fright of fear is not just a fear. They're afraid they're going to die. And not only that, with the economic collapse of many, many institutions, people are going to say, I have no money, how am I going to support myself, right? How am I going to survive? From there also is the fear of death. So this is a very important characteristic, you see? So it comes out that the fear of death that this coronavirus pandemic is providing is for the purposes of alleviating mankind of the judgment of a death penalty that so many thousands, millions and millions of people are guilty of from all the terrible crimes that they have committed through all the, the periods of mankind's history and so on. So that's a very important idea. And you should know one thing as a side, this continues. One of the uh, judicial equivalents which I mentioned is poverty. That's why there's a third world. We know that there's a third world of nations that are very poor. They're not like the industrial nations. Why? Why should there be a third world? And the answer is that this serves a purpose of mitigating a judgment of death on millions of people, you see. And that's why there's a third world. Poverty. That's what they experience, and that is a judicial equivalent of death. But that's an aside. Now, we see also, you see, that in many ways, the, so we see therefore that the Pachat Mavis is a, a death equivalent, which is one of the basic characteristics of this coronavirus pandemic. You see, quarantine, you see, is another very important idea, because that means nobody can go to work, like I said, and therefore there's a tremendous fear What's going to be with me, my family? I'm not earning a livelihood, you see. So that also is part of this mitigation. It's called in Hebrew, hamtokasadinam, to mitigate justice in a certain way. But not killing a person, but getting to be so frightened that that itself will be a atonement process. It's a very important idea. What is interesting that we saw this happen actually 30 years ago. The concept of Pachad Mavis as a death equivalent. Without going into the entire thing, 1990 was a very important time because on the creation calendar, which I once mentioned, 1990 is called Chatzois. What, what that is, is that the, there, are, there are six days of creation and therefore the world has to survive for 6,000 years. And then Shabbos, which is the seventh thousandth year, or rather the seventh day, is the seventh thousandth year, you see, and then it's all over. Now, a great deal of things can be understood that way. You think about it, that 1990 is really 12 o'clock noon on Friday, right? 
because you have 6,000 years, you have uh, 5,750, which was 1990. That is equivalent to 12 o'clock noon on Friday, based on this creation calendar, you see. And at that point in time, God wanted to, in many ways, move the process forward. But there are certain requirements, because the Sultan was saying, you can't move it forward, because a great deal of Jews in Israel especially, and all over actually, right, are in many ways, that what they do is terrible. There's tremendous violation of Shabbos, which in many ways is a death penalty, and so on. So what God did is, okay, he said, okay, I'm going to give them what's called pachat mavas, fear of death. And that will allow the messianic process to move forward. And therefore, up comes Iraq with Saddam Hussein. And he throws Scud missiles at Israel. And there was a tremendous fear of death at that time that one of the missiles would hit Israel, you see. So therefore, the Iraq war, you know, when they attacked Kuwait and so on, and then they had Scud missiles coming to Israel, that put the entire state of Israel in a tremendous state of fear. And in order to make sure that they can't fire back to Iraq, because Israel does have a nuclear weapon, right? Then Bush, President Bush, right? He forbade Israel from retaliating against Saddam Hussein. So therefore, even though they could have addressed the problem, they couldn't because they, they adhered to what America has said. And therefore, the whole state of Israel was tremendous fear of death. And that also was in America. All the people who have relatives in Israel, and in general Jews, who care for Jews all over, right? They had this tremendous anxiety about what's going to be with Israel. You see, that was Pachat Mavis, that God did and, and, and in order to alleviate, to remove or satisfy the judgment that the Sutton was saying. And therefore God allowed after that, it removed the claim against the Jewish people and therefore he was allowed that God what he did was he now could advance the whole process of the messianic process which is by, by the way at that point in time that Yishmuel the Arabs then grew that was the beginning of the intifada you see the growth of the Arabs you see and that in many ways is the last is the process uh, is, 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 is one of the last phases uh, toward the messianic process. But in any case, what I'm trying to point out is that God uses pachad mavis, the fear of death, okay, instead of a death penalty in order to advance the process of tikkun and in order to advance the, the entire redemption process. So what we see, therefore, is the coronavirus actually does that. Pachad mavis, fear of death. And that is what's called, and that's global where everybody's frightened of going on. So therefore, what God is addressing is the, is the, 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 the consequences of a death penalty that, uh, which stops the messianic process. And God is addressing that with the uh, coronavirus, with the concept of the fear of death, which is really a very important idea, you see. In any case, and therefore this will address itself to the entire world, whoever's guilty of a death penalty, they will satisfy that judgment through pachad mavis. And I want to tell you something. This addresses the terrible immorality of the, uh, what the world is guilty of. Immorality, in many ways, zimo. Especially what we see in our generations. There's a tremendous assault on the, the normal reproduction of people. 
I'm talking about preachers, homosexuality, and all the other aberrations of what is the nature of a human being and so on. It's all over the world. It's all over America. It's all over the world. It is an unbelievable wanton display of terrible amount of what's called immodesty, immorality. And many of these people don't realize that this is forbidden. So Pachad Movis in many ways will alleviate a lot of the guilt of the nations of the world. And therefore that addresses one of the major uh, arguments of the Sutton himself. Now, the second complaint which I had mentioned is the concept that mankind is destroying itself through a tremendous amount of sinas chinam, especially through Lashon Hara. Slander, defamation, Lashon Hara, destroys civilization. When you think about it, take a look at what's been going on. In the last couple of years, right, uh, there's a tremendous amount of hatred in the United States. You see, especially in the last four years, you know, the hatred or the animosity against Trump, who is a duly elected constitutional president, the hatred between the Republicans and the Democrats, the United States is split down the middle in terms of are you for or against Trump and so on. There's an enormous amount of animosity. It, this breeds incredible amount of contempt, you see, and, 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 and tremendous amount of, like I said, animosity in the United States. And this is true of the entire world. Take a look at Israel. The elections in Israel, okay, what has it produced? There's an unbelievable of bashing of different sects of the Israeli public. You know, and we know what's going on, the Haredi bashing in Israel, which is terrible slander. And each party is slandering the other party and so on. There's an enormous amount of lush and horror being said in, among the Jewish people, you see. So, th therefore we see <coughs> that this, all this Lush and horror which is being said, okay, is, is a major idea of what the Sutton is, is saying. Now, what's important to know is this. Why is it that of such concern? So, I mentioned one idea, because ultimately it destroys civilization. C civilization or society in order to survive has to have achtus or unity because no man is an island everybody in, in, in many ways needs others what God wants is brotherhood it's very important you see he wants brotherhood certainly among the Jewish people now what's important to understand is that a human being is Solomon Kim is the image of God so how can one person slander another person when that person he's slandering is made in the image of God that essentially means that the worth or the significance of that person has incredible amount of greatness so when you slander somebody not only are you trying to destroy the reputation of the person that you're slandering you see but it's also you are degrading God himself that's what you're doing because that person is created in the image of God you can't believe the anger, so to speak, of God when somebody slanders another person. And I mean not only Jews, which I'll mention in a minute, even Goyim, non-Jews. 
How do you go and slander another non-Jew? How? When he is Solomon Kim, he's in the image of God. You see, he's a human being, and that is the image of God. That's man. That's what a person is. So there is so much slander. It's unbelievable. There is so much denigration and degradation of a person who is created in the image of God. So, so to speak, God is fuming, enraged by this behavior. You see, and that of course invites an unbelievable prosecution. Now, the Jews, in a certain sense, are not just Selimulakim, they are what's called a Khiluklakimimal, they are part of God, you see. The Jews are a family, and there is so much lush and horror among the Jews. So when that happens, you see, again, there's a tremendous amount of kitrugum, of prosecutions against the Jews themselves. You see, so what God has done is unbelievable. He says, wait a minute, this can't go on. So what am I going to do? I'm going to quarantine everybody. What does that mean? <coughs> because when you are quarantined, guess what? It means that you have no interaction with anybody. You've got to stay home. And we know most Lashon is committed during the interaction that people have with each other, during business or social events, this tremendous amount of defamation and gossip and slander at those events. Uh, so God says, if you don't know how to act between each other, then stay home. I will put you in your house. That's the concept of a quarantine. What God is saying, you people obviously don't understand how to relate to each other. Besides the violation of the image of God, therefore, I'm going to force the entire globe to stay home which when you think about it, is an unbelievable concept. Therefore, the quarantine is a perfect measure to stop slander, gossip, and the destruction of society. Now, you may say, wait a minute. <clears throat> we know that one of the major ways of slander is the Internet, right? <coughs> and all the social sites. But let me tell you something. Even that they won't use. Why? Because they're all afraid of dying. When a person is afraid of his own survival, he's not going to slander anybody. He's too busy worrying about how he's going to survive, you see? So it's, it, there's no fear that they're going to use the internet <clears throat> in order to uh, slander. But quarantine is a solution. But what is interesting, which I'm very glad to see, is that all of this has brought about, in many ways, a certain brotherhood. Because we now see that the world and the United States is now working together to solve the problem. Guess what? There's an achtos. There's a unity, finally, that has taken place, which is a very important uh, aspect. And not only that, it's a chesed. In a certain way, the, the, the coronavirus is forcing people to express uh, a brotherhood with each other where people are now trying to help other people. Countries are trying to help other countries survive this pandemic. So not only is the quarantine stopping slander, but it's also creating a climate for achtos, for unity itself. And not only that, I'll tell you something interesting. When a person is quarantined, he's doing a chesed. Because why is he quarantining himself? So he doesn't give or if he has the disease, he doesn't give it to somebody else. Hey, that means you're looking out for the welfare of somebody else. That's a chesed, you see? So that's a tikkun, you see? Because that creates a certain chesed, an achtos. So amazingly, 
the disease itself or the quarantine is helping people overcome that judicial prosecution you see of which the Sultan is saying and that is stopping the uh, the messianic process in fact the interesting concept is the word for plague in Hebrew is dever which are the exact same letters as dibor dibor means speech you see so the dever is coming because of dibor because of uh, harmful speech <clears throat> but there's something else that we see the Gemara the Talmud relates that Rabbi Akiva's students 24,000 students they died in five week period between Pesach and and Lagboima <clears throat> and it says that why did the 24,000 people die because they did not honor each other they didn't pay the proper respect that each one should have toward each other you see but the Chofetz Chaim and the Mashah one of the great commentaries in the back of the Gemara says that they it's true that they did not respect one another but they really died because they spoke Lashon Hara because that led to Lashon Hara slander gossip against each other and therefore they died but the Gemara says that they died from Askara what is Askara? Askara is a breathing disorder. It's translated in English usually as diphtheria, which really is a breathing disorder. Uh, so it comes out that 24,000 students from Rebbe Akiva died because of a breathing disorder called Askara. You see? But the Gemara says that somebody who speaks Lashon Hara, a tremendous amount of it, what's called a Baloshnam, that he can die from Askara. Why? Because measure for measure. Think about it. The reason why we have speech is because we breathe and the breath is what creates the sound, isn't it? So if you're using sound, right, which comes from the breath to speak Lashon Hara, so measure for measure, God says, I will punish you by denying you your breath. That's the breathing disorder, you see? Now think of that, <clears throat> right? The Talmudim of Rebbe Akiva died from a breathing disorder. It was literally a plague because of Lashon Hara, which is a measure for measure. Because like I said, the breath is what creates the ability to speak. And therefore that was denied them. Think about that. What is the flu? What is the coronavirus? Is it not a respiratory illness? Is it not a breathing disorder, a shortness of breath as one of the symptoms? It's the exact same concept. So why is the plague in the nature of what? In the nature of a coronavirus, uh, which is really a breathing disorder, okay, or a respiratory illness? The same concept. Because one of the major reasons why there is a coronavirus is because there's so much Lush and horror. And we see that because of Rabbi Akiva. And like I say, the quarantine uh, is a designer drug to stop Lush and horror, A. And the second thing is to create a sense of camaraderie, of achdos. Now, uh, the third idea, which I had mentioned, which is another major kitrug of the Sutton, you see, is everybody's into pleasure, physicality and materialism. And we know it says, Man does not exist by bread alone. In other words, by what? But that which proceeds from the mouth of God. The purpose of man is spirituality. That's the purpose of man. What God is saying, excuse me, I have to remind you, you guys are headed in the wrong direction. How? Because of the economic collapse. 
Could you imagine somebody spends his entire life gathering money, making money, investments, and so on, right? He puts hours and hours and days of his life, right? His life is taken up with Parnassa, far more than more what most people need. So God is saying, I'm going to show you the value of what you're doing, materialism. The instability, right? Look at the market. The market already has lost one-third of its value. You see, let me show you how temporary. It's all fleeting. It's all passing. This is all momentary. You see, the whole business collapses. So therefore, what God is saying, you need to rethink what really has meaning, what life is really truly about. It's a warning and it's a wake-up call. Uh, that's why there's an economic collapse. You see, in order to stop people from this obsession of only thinking about money, more cars, material wealth, second, third, fourth, fifth homes, and so on. Life is much more than that. Whatever happened to the ruchnius, the spirituality, that is the divine mission. Not just to collect money, bank accounts, and, and so on, you see? That is why you're witnessing the third characteristic of the coronavirus, and that is the economic collapse. Stop what you're doing. Think what the real purpose of your existence is, and that is to become spiritual. You see, to think of God, to think of mitzvahs, to think of ben odom lechaveroi, that you have to be good to your neighbor. You see, all of this is critical. That's what counts, you see, and that's what God is saying. And certainly to the Jews, he's saying that. You see, you need to stop what you're doing. The pursuit of materiality, materialism. You need to stop and you need to get involved in learning Torah, doing mitzvahs, you see, and, and even thinking about what a spiritual life really is. There you are, a designer drug. The pachad mavis, the fear of death, right? What does it do? I told you. It provides an atonement, right? For many all the sins, uh, especially immorality, that mankind is guilty of, you see. Then the concept of a quarantine. It stops and prevents Lashonara from being spoken, you see. Not only that, but fortunately, it also provides unity also, which is being, which is really happening and so on. But this whole concept of stopping Lashonara is critical, you see. And also, the third thing we see is that it reawakens mankind, you see, that uh, the, the whole concept of the transitory nature of materialism and, 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 and how ephemeral it really is. Uh, therefore, the coronavirus pandemic is a tailor-made way that God is using to wake mankind up, you see. Now, however, we can ask ourselves, based on what Rabbi Abba says, that it says, Somachle Mashiach, Yemaisa Mashiach, that close to or shortly before the Messianic era, right, God will bring a dever, a plague. So obviously, we see now that it satisfies many things in terms of the satanic prosecutions. Uh, you see, but what is the real connection? You see, between this and the redemption itself, the dever, the plague, how is it really connected to the redemption itself? So the truth is, there's something much more profound besides uh, dealing with the arguments of the Satan. <clears throat> 
But in order to understand this, you need to understand something else. <clears throat> you have to understand the significance of Lashon Hara, which I said, slander, which I said is one of the major reasons why you have the coronavirus pandemic. <clears throat> you see, what is that? Well, let's take a look. Certain basic ideas of what Lashon Hara or the significance of Lashon Hara really is. If a person sins, what happens? Then that is immediately seen and observed in heaven, and there is a prosecution by a heavenly tribunal. We know that, you see. And by that prosecution in the heavenly tribunal, in heaven, uh, he obviously is judged. And of course, whatever the consequences of what he did, that will be meted out. That's what we see. However, what's interesting is, is a person judged in heaven immediately after he sins? We would think so. But the truth is, he's not. In fact, it is possible for a person to commit a thousand sins in a week, and he will never be judged by heaven. And the question is, how can that be? And the idea to that is because God has assigned, as we will see, the judgment prosecution to a malach called a sultan who's an angel. The Malach, the Satan, has three jobs. He's a tempter, that's called the Eight Sahara. And in that job, he's, his job is to tempt you to sin. If a person sins, then he becomes the second job that he has is a prosecutor. He's the heavenly DA, district attorney, and he prosecutes that person in the heavenly tribunal. And then if that person is found guilty, then he becomes the executioner. That's the Malach Hamavas, the angel of death. Not that he necessarily kills, but he also is assigned to execute the judgment of the heavenly tribunal. <clears throat> now what is important about that is that he alone initiates the judgment. In order for there to be a judgment in heaven, you must have, okay, a kitruk, a prosecution. You must have. And that initiates the judgment. In fact, if there's no kitrug, if there's no prosecution, then no sin is judged. Then the heavenly tribunal does not meet. And if obviously if they don't meet, you cannot be judged. And if you have no judgment, then there is no oinish. There's no punishment. Uh, so we see a critical idea uh, that in order for, a, even after you sin, in order to be judged, you need a prosecution by the sultan. He's the only one that can initiate the judgment process. And therefore, if he doesn't, nobody, a person is not judged. Uh, obviously, it would be very valuable for us to know, can this sudden be stopped? Can we stop him from prosecution? Imagine how important that information is. And the answer is yes. What God has done is something which, to us, is a tremendous chesed. What is that? It's called midah connect midah, measure for measure. Think about that. What is a prosecution really? A prosecution is what? Is where the sultan condemns you in a heavenly tribunal. You see. But if you think about this, a prosecution by the sultan, which is called a kitrug, a prosecution, is a condemnation, but that's really Lashon Hara, isn't it? In other words, the sultan is speaking Lashon Hara about you. It's speech that can harm you. The nature of every kitrug is that it is Lashon Hara. So what God has done is a remarkable thing. What he says is this, is that basically the only way the, the Sutton can makatreg, the only way the Sutton can condemn you as a Sutton 
as a prosecuting attorney, okay, angel, is if you condemn others. In other words, if you speak lush and horror about others, and you condemn them, then he can condemn you. But what happens if you don't? What happens if you don't slander? Then it's almost impossible for the sultan to prosecute you, which means you will not be tried in heaven. Now, that's a very important idea. Because what we see is that 98% of a person's prosecution is because he spoke Lashon Hara, and therefore the Sultan can now speak Lashon Hara against that person. Ah, that is a very important idea. So what God has done is he has given you control of your own judgment. If you don't speak Lashon Hara, it's extremely difficult for the Sutton to prosecute you. Although there are times that he can, for instance, before on Rosh Hashanah, right, when there's a judgment period, that he can prosecute. But in any case, 98% of all judgments are because of your Lush and Hara. It's a very important idea. Now, these ideas are critical in many ways to understand. Let's take a look. And we will see something which is very important and will have a much greater grasp of the statement that before the messianic era there has to be a devil. Let's take a look at Egypt. <clears throat> what was the problem with Egypt? The problem with Egypt is that the Jews were on the 49th level of Tumor, which means defilement. And had they slipped into the 50th level, then they would not be redeemed. So what God wanted to do clearly is take them out of Egypt, you see. But there was a tremendous satanic prosecution. What was the prosecution? The first idea is that they are on the 49th level of Tumah, you see, and that's what Chazal tells us. So therefore, how could you redeem them? But the second one, there was a second one, and that is that, wait a minute, you said the Jews have to be in Egypt, right, for 400 years. Uh, but they're, they're only 210. So you're missing 190 years. So how could you take them out? Therefore, there was a tremendous ikov, obstacle, for the redemption itself. The Memtesh Shari Tumah, the 49 levels of Tumah, is one that they were, had descended into. And the second thing is the time wasn't ready. So what the Sultan was saying is that you cannot redeem them. This presented a monumental problem. Obviously not to God, but it's a problem. Uh, so what does God do? So what God said is, I need to stop the prosecutions. Now, I cannot stop the prosecution. Why? Because I created the Sutton, Satan, to uphold justice. He's my creation for that. So I can't stop him, or else I'm, de I'm defeating my own purpose of why I made him. But who can't stop him? And the answer is, the Jews can stop him. Because how do you stop the Sutton? Remember what I said, that if the Sutton, if you speak Lashon Hara, then the Sutton can prosecute because measure for measure. You condemn, so the Sutton can condemn you, and that's what a prosecution in court is. So what God needed is for the Jews to stop speaking Lashon Hara. And therefore they would stop the Kitrugim, you see. And as a result of that, God can now take them out and begin the process and in terms of justice, he'll have ways that he can satisfy the judgment. But at least he can move on. He can advance the process. You see, what did the Jews do? The Chazal tell us, although we don't know why or how, that it tells us three times in the Medrash that Lahoya, 
that that the Jews were redeemed from Egypt only because because there was no people then that spoke slander. And for some reason the Jews understood and what they did is they did not speak slander. If they didn't speak slander, what did they do? They stopped the Kitrugim. They stopped the prosecutions. And as a result of that, they removed the impediment. They removed the impediment itself to bringing the redemption. <clears throat> in fact, Moshe Rabbeinu, which is interesting, when he stood in front of the snare, the burning bush, when God said, take my people out, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I can't take them out. Why not? Uh, because they speak Lashon Hara. And as long as they speak Lashon Hara, they cannot go out because the Sultan is active recounting their sins. Which, by the way, is a lot of Avoid Zara, idol worship. And therefore, I can't take them out. So God said, no, they do not speak any more Lashon Hara. And he told them as a sign, take your hand, put it in your uh, garment, and he took it out. And it was Saras, which is an indication, of course, of Lashon Hara. Then he said, put it back, take it out, and it was cured. And God was telling him that the Jews do not speak any Lashon Hara anymore. And this is all discussed by the commentary Klayoko, where it says, Heimla Yaminuli. But in any case, what is important to know is that Moshe Rabbeinu himself didn't believe that they could go out until God said they do not speak Lashon Hara. There is no more Kitrugim, there is no more prosecutions, and therefore you can go in now and take them out. It's critical. Therefore, we see that the Jews were able to lead, leave Egypt. Why? Because they did not speak Lushan horror. And that's a very important idea. In fact, what we see also is something fascinating. Where it says in the Torah, where God says, by Kriya Samsov, by the splitting of the Red Sea. Okay? God says a strange idea. It says, stand back and watch the salvation of God, but be silent. So normally we learn, be silent means stop complaining, because the Jews were complaining that, why did you take us out? Because they threw the Egyptian army, and of course they were frightened. It was panic. So that was, a, but when you think about that, that was tremendous Lashon Hara, because what they were implying is that God did the wrong thing by taking them out, because now they're subject to death by the Egyptian army. So God says, wait a minute, you're starting to speak Lashon Hara against me. And therefore you are now going to arouse a Satan to begin again his prosecution. So God says, well, stand back and watch and see the salvation of God. But be silent. What does that mean, be silent? Because you have to be silent, stop slandering me, and therefore what you will do is arouse the Satan to begin his prosecutions, which again means I have to stop the process. So God is telling them, stop it, because the only reason why you're able to get out of Egypt is because the prosecution stopped, and therefore I can take you out. So you must stop the slander that you are doing at Kriya Samsov. It's an astounding concept, because the, 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 the uh, removal of slander is what allowed the Jews to get out of Egypt. Now, it says, God says that I will take you out of the second exile, courageous like the first, which means that not only that there will be a second redemption from Golos, but it will be in the same manner as Egypt. What was the manner in Egypt? Because they stopped speaking on Shanara, what God is saying that in order to take you out and bring the redemption now, 
right? You need to stop speaking Lashon Hara, you see. And therefore, we now begin to understand what all this is about. The Rabbanu needs Klai Yisrael to stop speaking Lashon Hara. And even the nations of the world must stop their slander. And therefore, God can stop the prosecutions and begin the messianic redemption in earnest. But how? Through the coronavirus itself. Because the quarantine and the fear of death, but especially the quarantine, stops human interaction. And now people are too busy fearing for their own lives, you see. And because there's no social interaction anymore, right, then most slander has stopped. So therefore we see that the coronavirus is very important because it is the instrument by which we will stop speaking Lashonara, you see. And as a result of that, the process of redemption can advance. And that's what Rabbi Ba'aba is really intimating. That's what he's saying, that Samoch, near the Yomoysa Mashiach, near the redemption itself, right? What's going to happen? You're going to have the Sutton going crazy with prosecution. So then the question is, why? Because it's right next to the redemption. And the Sutton is going to try to stop it. So what's going to happen? God is going to say, I need to stop this Lashon Hara. It's certainly by the Jews. And the truth is by everybody. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring a dever, an epidemic, now we understand Rabbi Ba'aba. That's why a devil must happen because of Lashon Hara before, right close to the Geula itself. You see, uh, so the remarkable thing is that's what Rabbi Ba'aba is alluding to. That's the secret. That before the redemption, there has to be a way if there's going to be Lashon Hara all over the world, especially by Jewish people, right? That's going to stop God from redeeming the Jews. Therefore, what God is going to say, I need to stop them. How? By making sure there's an epidemic, A, eh? and quarantine is going to stop the Lashon Hara. And hopefully it will increase Achtus, so certainly there won't be Lashon Hara. And of course, the Pachat Mavis is going to make sure that even when they're in quarantine, they will not speak Lashon Hara because they could be, they're going to be too concerned about what? About dying. <coughs> we now understand something very profound about what Rabbi Ba'aba is saying. And we understand also what the coronavirus pandemic is. In fact, I'll tell you something interesting. It's called the coronavirus. Why is it called the coronavirus? There are many viruses. Why did God assign the virus called the coronavirus to do the job? Because corona means what? Crown. So this, vi this virus, when you think about it, is from the crown, from the king. Who? From God. Yes. So this virus is doing the behest of the king, the crown. And that indicates that it's from God himself. And the purpose of the virus is to restore the crown of the king. And that's why this virus, in many ways, is a messenger. It's a shliach. It's an instrument, you see, that comes from the crown, which is God, to restore the crown back into the world. And therefore, it's called the coronavirus. Well, what have I said so far? That this is not merely an epidemic, a pandemic, you see, it is there for specific ideas. One is to satisfy the judgment of death, and therefore the Pachat Mavis does it. It is to satisfy or to mitigate or to stop the Lashon Hara by people, you see, and not only that, to try to create Achtos. Why? In order to allow the Messianic process to continue, you see. 
That's the second thing. And the third thing is the wake-up call. Stop with your obsession of materialism. Focus on spirituality. So what are the takeaway lessons from this? That do not speak, don't listen, and don't believe, of course with certainty, lush and horror. Learn two laws of lush and horror every day so you'll know how to observe it, you see? And as a result of that, you will enable all the obstacles, you see? to be removed, and you allow God to bring the Geula now. This is a literal contribution to the messianic process. But there's other ideas also, where God says, God says, it's a medrash, I can save you from any tzora, anything, obviously. You see, how? As, as long as you do not speak Lashon Hara. Uh, therefore, if you don't speak Lashonara, like I said, there's no Ketrugim on you. And if there's no Ketrugim, you will not get the virus. Because the only way a person gets the virus is because there's a prosecution on that person. And he's been judged to get the virus, and that's why he gets it. So if you want to save yourself, you see, and your family, and so on, the greatest way to protect yourself is learn the laws of Lashon Hara and do not speak Lashon Hara. You see, and that is critical. In fact, it is so important, it says that Achav, King Achav, who was one of the kings of Israel, was a king for 40 years. <clears throat> and it says that he never lost a battle. Never. In 40 years. Why? <clears throat> because the generation of Achav did not speak Lashon Hara. Whereas in the generation of Shaul, King Saul, he lost battle after battle, even though the amount of Torah in the generation of Saul was unbelievable. But they spoke Lashon Hara, and as a result of that, they lost battle after battle, and they died. Wake up! This is what it's all about. This isn't an epidemic, which is an accident. This is a divinely sent epidemic to help the people, the Jewish people especially, and the entire world right in order to bring a messianic era but not only that also like i said you know to focus on on spirituality and also not only that but uh, to in many ways as a kapora uh, therefore you need to do tshuva you need to think about this <coughs> so in a certain sense this whole epidemic is an opportunity not only to bring the messianic process, but to repent. And as a result of that, the, the, this epidemic will leave and the Mashiach will come very shortly, like Rabbi Chiyah Abba says, and this is happening right next to Mashiach. And if we all do that, and we learn the laws of Lashon Hara, you see, <coughs> to learn the laws of Rosh Hashanah, then what will happen is the Mashiach will come, okay, and as a result of that, then we will never experience any kind of plague. There will be no death. It will be an era that we cannot even believe that will happen, you see. So I, this is a very important wake-up call for all of us, and let's hope that everybody will get the message by learning the laws of Lashon Hara, being very careful with speech, and also immorality, being very careful with immorality and modesty and preachers and practice sneers, because when you have to stay in your house, obviously you're tsunua, you're modest because you can't go out. So the quarantine is obviously also for that, uh, you see. And also it'll wake us up to pursue spirituality. And of course, there's no question that um, 
this will be an incredible opportunity to bring the Mashiach and hopefully in a very short amount of time then certainly the Mashiach will come and there will be an unbelievable redemption. Thank you.